Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's happiest podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Dimorellis. This is a show where we ask you, what's your story and what does it say about you? Today on the program, we have comedian Aurelia St. Clair. Hi. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad, Aurelia. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's okay. Well, I'm excited to have you on. Let's start off. Let's go straight into it. Uh, what's the book? What's the name of it? What's it about? All that sort of thing. Yeah, so the book, uh, my favorite book is called The Sellout by Paul Betty. It uh, won the Man Booker Prize, I think, in... 2016 or 14 and it's about a black man living on the outskirts of LA on a farm reintroducing segregation into the town to make it better okay <laughs> that's a, it's a it's an interesting thing to be talking about right now so it re- is so a I guess this, I don't even know if this is relevant to the conversation, but you yourself are. I'm, I'm black, so <laughs> there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I'm like, what's interesting coming from you? Because you're black. But yeah. Like, <laughs> um, no, so yeah, actually, a bit of background. So you're German. I'm German Cameroonian. Cameroonian, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so yes, you're black. You obviously relate to that experience. Is it, a, is it very much about the black experience? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's a. It's very funny. It's a satirical book. Um, Paul Betty's writing in general is satirical and very funny and twisted and you find yourself laughing at at weird stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, I would recommend it to anyone, especially now, um, because it's it's very, very current. Okay. <laughs> like we've already got so much to talk about <laughs> from this top. Okay. So, and it's funny and satirical and it's okay. Uh, this show isn't big on the whole uh, worrying about spoilers thing. So I don't feel too hung up on that. But, you know, at the same time, if you don't need to, you don't need to spoil the ending. Mm-hmm. But the logic of reintroducing segregation into schools. What? Okay. So it's um, not only schools, but in general. So the, the setting is a town called Dickens. Um, on the outskirts of LA and it used to have a sign that said welcome to Dickens but that got taken down and now even when you open like um, the LA version of Melbourne Maps <laughs> what, you know the Melbourne version um, name what's of what's it, it called Melway <laughs> Melway imagine your town is not on Melway anymore so they're like trying to erase this town and the population is predominantly black and Latino already and what the protagonist in this book does, also you don't know his name. So um, it's it's kind of like Fleabag, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but before Fleabag. Um, he is referred to as Bonbon in the book um, because at a spelling bee, um, that was his word, Bonbon. Bonbon. Yeah, and the other kid had like a really long, complicated word that he couldn't couldn't spell, so he won based on that word Bonbon. And that, that makes him a sellout, which is why the book is called a sellout. Because he won. He won. And he cheated? He, he didn't cheat. He was just lucky, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, the town itself is already predominantly black and Latino. And what he does is he um, puts a sign into local businesses, for example, that says, um, no whites allowed. And white people aren't going there anyways, right? So... 
the population seeing those signs feels this immense pride in <laughs> like their black owned business and people don't vandalize the stores that have a black people only sign in their window. Okay. And, yeah. Um, the school as well. The school doesn't get segregated as such in this town. Also, I'm giving away a lot, but it's still funny to read, even though you know what happens. Like I always say, if it's good enough to read once, it should be good enough to read multiple times. I've read this book at least four times. <laughs> okay, right. There you go. All right. Um, and instead of segregating the school, he puts up a sign opposite the school saying that a new sort of white private school is coming. And with the threat of that new school coming to town, suddenly all students kind of step up their game. Um, and it's it's quite funny. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is really like satirical and mm. it's biting. It's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's twisted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> like, it would totally work, yeah. some of those things. Um, but yeah, the fact that it does the whole, even from the education and the wider thing. So I guess this is actually really relevant right now because whoever listens to this whenever, this is, we're basically right in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement happening everywhere around the world. Did you go to the protest? I got my motorcycle license that day. I didn't go. <laughs> That's... Yeah. Uh, that's legit. I can, yeah. <laughs> Motorcycles are pretty cool. Yeah, so. they're, they're sick. But, um, I mean, I would have gone otherwise, of course. I just booked it so far in advance that I couldn't. Um, but also, um, I was there in spirit, obviously. Hmm. Yeah. 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 How do you feel about this whole – have you, okay, have you had people, like, come up to you and be like, hey, you're black. <laughs> What's going on? Um, I've definitely seen like an increase in engagement with some of my like content or with like people just reaching out to me being like, hey, how are you doing? Which is nice. Um, but I guess speaking to other, my black friends, for example, it's, it's kind of weird to us because obviously I've been engaged in Black Lives Matter since it first started in like 2015, 2016 or even before. And um, I don't know. Do you know about Black Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. You're going you're to tell me there's a different Twitter? Because <laughs> if there is, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> it's like the J-Date, the Jewish dating app for Tinder. <laughs> no, it's, it's the same platform. But um, Black Twitter, I guess, when you follow certain activists or people, you see what they retweet and what they like, and then it, it filters through to you. So I would say I've seen, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of pro police brutality across um, my feed all the time. And I remember um, around a month ago when the case for Amort Aubrey, who was um, shot while he was jogging, um, sort of went viral. And I spoke to some of my friends. None of us were surprised by it, um, but a lot of people were. Like this, this happening in America didn't seem out of place to me like it did to some people, just because of the, the things that I generally see on my news feeds um, probably being different from what, let's say, my white friend would see, just based on the people who I follow and the things I engage with. Um, so while it's really good to see that it's finally gaining like mainstream um, traction and more people are following it, for me personally, the amount of Black Lives Matter related things I see on my feed have gone up, but in general, that content is already quite in my face, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. So from your perspective, it's not uh, – yeah, you're – you're engaging it already. You're yeah. seeing all this stuff. Mm. And like, I guess, is there a concern there with like the whole, uh, this is the flavor of the month? For sure. I mean, um, I hope that it keeps going. It um, With any protest, actually, you remember the climate strikes, bushfire things, like that sort of thing or any anything when you think back of the last few years that has happened – Generally, it's maybe one or two protests and people, you know, they still know about it, but they're not as active about it. But looking at the Black Lives Matter protests in the US, they're still going on. Um, and in some towns, it's been like five, seven, ten days of people consistently protesting. And I think 
we have such a perfect like recipe for a revolution at the moment. <laughs> like people aren't working because of coronavirus, especially in the States. Unemployment is way up compared to Australia. Um, I mean, people are disenfranchised and have been for years. And now all these, um, you know, George Floyd um, has obviously like opened sort of the floodgates for people to bring back other people who have been murdered recently as well. For example, there was a, a woman, Breonna Taylor, who was murdered in her home when police entered without a warrant and without knocking and shot her in her sleep. And I see people post about her every single day. Every single day I see posts about her. And that has happened over a month ago. And we're finally getting to a point where now they're opening up the files again of what has happened, far from justice for this woman. But it gives me hope to see that people don't give up, even with cases that are that would otherwise have been closed. And it kind of like shows maybe that it is a bit more serious this time because they're not just talking about this one most recent thing. They're actually going into... They're going back, yeah, yeah, yeah. backtracking. Um, and I mean, it'll be impossible to get justice for every person who has been um, killed at the hands of law enforcement. But it's good to see that at least some of them, you know, their families will get closure and that justice will actually... Maybe be served for once, yeah. Might make people, these white guys, think twice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, the New York Police Department has a budget of $6 billion and they're now suggesting to cut $1 billion <laughs> from that and they're saying it's too much. <laughs> That's so much. It's $6 billion. $6 billion for the NYPD. And I just I just read that this morning on on New York Times, but that's that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, I think when people mention the whole defund the police sort of thing, they don't realize that it's like we just mean take that billion and put it somewhere else. Yeah, I put that towards something else, but who knows what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, okay. That's a where we started out the gate. <laughs> straight away yeah here i am i'm like black lives matter <laughs> arrest the cops who killed brianna taylor all in the first five minutes of the podcast i know it's <laughs> meant to be a book podcast <laughs> no uh, it's funny actually because even from the uh book perspective right i've been seeing uh this might be a slight tangent i don't know mm -hmm. uh i am not as engaged on that side of stuff um which i mean that's just you know you grow up reading certain things so you don't get as involved in seeing other viewpoints, something like that. Have you done a lot of reading in, I guess, that community? Yeah, I guess I um, I actually grew up without a TV. So I grew up reading a lot. I'd read like three, four or five books a week. My library card was always um, out to the max. And wow. I'm, I'm very fast reader. I, I can speed read and I love reading. Um, <laughs> so... I um, have been buying more books recently because of quarantine, like being indoors, having nothing else to do. Um, but I've definitely made an effort as well to buy more books by women and also women of color and right. in general people of color. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a good month for reading for me. Yeah. That's wild. I've got to, okay, I've got to go to a few of those. Firstly, <laughs> speed reading. Mm-hmm. Is it? See, because I, I, it's one of those things which I see people talk about and how good it is and that, but I'm just so suspicious because how can you possibly take in the information that, like, it's just skimming, isn't it, really? I mean, to a point, yes, you, when you speed read, you don't have as much time to reflect on things, I guess, just by the nature of it. But it's really useful when, um, when you're studying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, some books kind of don't require, you know, uh, have you read Normal People, for example, or Conversations with Friends? I, I know of it well. It's very big yeah. right now, but I haven't yeah. read it myself. Yeah. So, people really love those books, right? And like you can definitely speed read Normal People and like not really miss much just because it's not that deep a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny saying that because like, I would have thought something like that because it's fiction. It's like you're reading it for the purpose of enjoyment. I guess, because speed reading is like the purpose is I need to get this info into my brain as fast as possible. Mm, um, 
I don't know. When I read, I um, sometimes I really get into the story and I imagine myself as a character in that book. <laughs> that's, that's fine. You, yeah, did, you didn't yeah. have a TV. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a TV, so that only came naturally for me. Um, so I often re- speed read a book and then I read it two or three times. My, like sometimes twice, twice is normal for me. Mm. Um, three times I'd really have to like it. Um, but yeah, the second time is probably a bit more slow. Okay. Yeah. So, so the first time you always just get the, get the, figure out if it's good enough to worth spending time on and then go back <laughs> and do it again. Yeah. Or some books you just want to know the ending. So you're like, I just want to know how this shit ends. Yeah. 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 It's like, then, <laughs> then moving on. I don't give yeah. a shit of that. Okay. Yeah. See, I never thought of speed reading like for that <laughs> purpose. <laughs> just to cram as much in as possible. Mm. Yeah. As if you grew up with no no TV. No TV. I'd go to like people's houses and be like, can we watch TV? <laughs> I'd just be obsessed. Obsessed with it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Wow, okay. That's uh I still I still don't have a TV. Even now. Even now, just Netflix and on my computer or something. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's that's, that's like, the same. That's, 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 that's close enough. You can't claim, yeah. No, that's not the same as saying no TV. No TV. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. no. I was like no TV. Yeah, first Netflix definitely counts. But mm. also, is that because your parents were making a statement? Oh, my mum definitely wanted to make a statement. Um, I had a, We had a TV before I started school. And then like the day I started school, it was gone. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is your mum like a teacher or no, reader? No, so or? she was actually just a regular Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like practicing pretty... Serious Jehovah's Witness? Yeah, absolutely. We go to church like three times a week. Oh, damn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's not like a Jehovah's Witness thing because a lot of people did have TVs and watch TV like normally. Um, She was just like, I don't want you watching TV every day. Like rots your brain. You should read books and you should be a good reader. And that's how it all started. Yeah, totally worked. It worked. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you, have, do you have any siblings? No, just me and my mum. Okay, right. Mm. So it was easy as well. It wasn't like... Easy to do the... Yeah. Imagine you have like five kids. No way. You'd go crazy. You, you'd have to have a TV. Someone's got to look after these kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I get that now. My brother's got like uh, kids mm. and it's like sometimes like, oh man. Forget it. Just give him the TV. I cannot be bothered doing this. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so tiring. It's like, I've done an hour, okay? That's <laughs> plenty. I'm tired now. I've mm. got to check WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, was your mum a reader though as well as? Yeah, she loved reading as well. Um, and as I got older, I think there was a few holidays where I like, wasn't allowed to – the library had closed, the school library had closed, so like – run out of books and then I started reading her books and um, I was quite young to read those types of books and they're like all about they're like sex scenes and books um, and I was like wow I'm getting really horny from reading this <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing all right yeah, yeah it yeah. was like my f- like one of my first experiences with porn was like reading it in a woman's oh like women women above my age books i guess like not 50 shades of gray type but you know classy erotic fiction classy, classy yeah 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 not yeah. trash no mm. this is this is ladylike <laughs> <laughs> how old were you when you started that like 13 14 okay that's a, yeah like it's, that's, that's, it's not too bad yeah that's about the natural you know um oh i guess recently have you seen a a few streaming sites have taken down um gone with the wind yeah yeah well i read that when i was like 13 or 14 the whole book is that graphically sexy? No, but it's like about the Civil War. Hmm. Um, and it's not sexy, um, but it's that that whole like yearning for a man who's married to someone else type shit. <laughs> that fucking bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I really relate. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Totes relevant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tying it all, everything's coming together. Far out, yeah. That is, that is crazy though, I think, the whole Gone of the Wind that censorship thing going on right now. It's such a corporate response to the situation without dealing with the situation. Mm. Yeah, it's like so symbolic rather than... And like I doubt it was getting a lot of streams. <laughs> it's going to get so much more watching right now. Yeah, absolutely. No TV growing up. 
Mm. <laughs> Your first porn was in books. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were such a nerd, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I just outed myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's shocking. Just so cuz like like I said it before um you I saw you were doing this writing stuff during corona. Mm-hmm. Uh love in the time of corona. Yeah. Which we will go check out. It's very nice. Have you always been doing writing? Like have you always been writing? Yeah. I mean, I started writing around the same time as my maybe 12 or 13. I'd write um little little stories in like exercise books at school. And then I'd give them to my friends to read and they'd be like, wow, when are you writing the next one? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I really loved writing um, stories always. So it's been, it's been an ongoing thing for me. Yeah. So you've kind of just always been doing just something here and there? Yeah. Right, right. Mm. And it's just anything? I guess it's always kind of relevant to what I experienced at the time. So when I was writing at 13 or 14, it would be like young adult type stuff. Um, so, you know, people be like, oh, that's just like that book. And I'd be like, yep, I just read that book. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So that kind of thing. And then now, I guess, um, sometimes I write things in my love in the time of Corona, um, series, if you want to call it that. And, um, they're clearly referencing people or things that have happened. And then those people message me and be like, Hey, <laughs> is that about me? <laughs> Sound like such a sleazy hey. It's like, yeah, hey. <laughs> hey, um, I saw that story. Um, <laughs> so what's happening? <laughs> that's all, that's, there is a risk to writing, isn't it? Like the, that uh, autobiographical element to it. Mm. People can like see what you think about them. About them, yeah. Have you ever had that where someone's been like, what? <laughs> I thought we were friends. <laughs> kind of. I wrote a Love in the Time of Corona one about I guess, uh, a breakup, but it wasn't really a breakup. It was just like when you're seeing someone and then you don't, you're like, it fizzles out and you're like over them and they're over you. But like neither of you really want to say anything, so you kind of just fade out of each other's lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's classic. <laughs> um, yeah, so that happened and then the person messaged me like, hey, how have you been? <laughs> and I said, how come you're messaging me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, No, but like that obviously ended. Yeah. 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 He's like, oh no, we can try for 10 more minutes and then we'll both clearly fade out again because there's a reason we did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So you've been writing for a long time. I guess how much has the political side of things or the larger story ever impacted into this? So it's always focused mainly on the smaller personal interactions. Hmm. I mean, I'm... I'm the kind of person who thinks everything is political. <laughs> you sound like so much fun at a party. <laughs> I'm like, well, that is definitely political. Uh, I think even the smallest things in your life are political. Like um, if I wrote a story about, I don't know, for instance, let's say buying a car. And for me, I've, I don't have a car right now. <laughs> My mom never got her license um, and there were all these like reasons or like things in a way of us. Like, so I grew up also, I would say poor. <laughs> poor is the right word. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I grew up quite poor. Um, and like me writing about, let's say, something normal, like buying a car, going on vacation. Um, it's not political when you read it because it's just a story about, you know, a purchase or a vacation or an experience that's quite mundane to a lot of people who may engage with me on social media but to me personally um that very small act of of getting uh, a car or license um it's it can be quite political in it just in a way that it's an obstacle to a lot of people who come from the same background as i yeah yeah, yeah. and Mm. like you've got that perspective which a lot of people i guess have the privilege not to even know about Mm, yeah so you're trying to say is you were still being political when you were getting your motorbike license Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the protest. And that was very political of me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. <laughs> I feel like there's always a long way for you to justify that. <laughs> just justification of um, my absence. Yeah. 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 Mm. No, no. I mean, it's true. Like, as in, if you boil everything down to the opportunities that some people get by being able to do that, I can see what you mean. I guess, in that sense. Yeah. And I'm sure you're not like going around pointing it out every time. <laughs> no, like... you know, I barely say things like that. But then um, th- that's always going on in the back of my mind, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because that's funny because that sounds like more of, and obviously everything is deeply uh, related. 
but that sounds more of an economic, socioeconomic situation rather than obviously the race side of things. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, those things, again, you could argue go hand in hand a lot of the time. Um, when you, you know, when you break down the systems, um, I mean, I wasn't, I was affected by the systems very differently to what we, let's say, see in America. Um, but if you go back to it in America, incarceration rates for black men are much higher than any other demographic. So a lot of black families obviously grow up without their fathers, which takes away, um, income, which takes away opportunity for, Things that may, for example, be typically, and not rightfully so, but it may be like a male thing of your dad teaching you how to drive. Yeah. Right? So um, I didn't have it. My dad wasn't around when I grew up. Although he wasn't black and he wasn't in prison, he was just white and an asshole. Different <laughs> <Okay>. story. <laughs> so like, I never had that. Tales but, all this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like it, it changes. But right, so that um, obviously puts me and. in into a different situation to someone who's had both parents who both have cars and who can both teach them how to drive when they're 16. Um, and, you know, then you're like, oh, that's not a big deal if you get your license in, in your 20s. But a lot of jobs require you to have a license, you know, and instantly you're disqualified from that. So, um, Even like location-wise. Location-wise, yeah. you're like living in a different location. I mean, everything kind of boils down to... There's like intersections between everything, between poverty and race and, you know, your socioeconomic standing. And to some point, even like your ability to read. Like if my mom hadn't fostered for me to read a lot um, and if I was less like literate or interested in books, my whole life would have had a different trajectory. How do you mean? Um, I mean, there's, there's a privilege that um, I... I have, um, even though I'm black. I'm first, firstly, I'm I'm mixed race black, so I'm I'm less black, <laughs> which you know it's um, in the eyes of a lot of people. I'll obviously, always be black. So even you know, growing up in Germany in school, people be like, "Go back to where you came from." But I was born in Germany. I like never had been anywhere else, so like that didn't make sense, right? No, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know how I came to that. What was I saying? Reading. Um, right. Yeah, like as in how it, that how impacted, it, how, how that shaped your direction. Shaped me or impacted me, right. So um, being less black in a way means that you can blend into places a little bit more easily. Um, being mixed or there is a, sort of a sense that, oh, she's one of us a little bit, but not really. Um, you think you pick up that vibe from like white people? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean... I I feel like as a child I could definitely tell when people are t treating me differently from a very young age. Yeah. Um for example, because I was a good reader in school, I remember a teacher l literally saying, "Well, you read really really well." But they wouldn't have said that to Christine sitting next to me. <laughs> Not really. Had, had blue eyes and blonde hair you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. that wouldn't have been a surprise that she's a good reader but yeah yeah for me to be a good reader i was like oh really you you read really well good on you good on you yeah. right breaking uh, the stereotype <laughs> <laughs> that's bad yeah was there a lot of uh like black kids where you were growing up i was the only one <laughs> oh, okay <Yeah>. right <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah so it stood out a lot more then yeah yeah i i really stood out um but again, like, uh, I guess even the books you read or the shows you watch or the things you do, that means you have something in common with someone else, right? So let's say kids then were really into Harry Potter. <laughs> again, problematic now, but back then, fine. <laughs> it was so... It was just, remember those days? <laughs> right? So if you'd all read Harry Potter, you could instantly relate to each other based on your love for that book. Mm. Right? So... Um, reading um, in when you're in an environment where reading is regarded as something good, where teachers, you know, call you out for being a good reader, obviously it's it's a good thing. And then you have something in common with with people from reading the same book, even though your lives may be wildly different. Yeah. So yeah. so it just helps you cross that boundary that might be there otherwise because exactly. of that shared interest. Yeah. Which you're lucky to have because some people in the same situation might not actually have that 
for whatever reason, they just don't read. Mm, absolutely. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, that's true. Mm. That's a valid point. I, I should probably, I meant to actually ask this earlier when we were talking about uh, like more uh, variety of authors to read from and stuff like that. I, I hate... When someone's like, oh, you should do more reading or something, and then they recommend like 57 books. For me, that's the same as recommending zero books because I'm like, I can't pick <laughs> where to start with this. So it's like, if you're like, if you're like, oh, here's a good start to getting a different perspective on, I guess, race and stuff like that, would there be someone you'd recommend? Would it be this book? Um, this book for sure, is especially for someone who's already a bit more into reading because it's quite, um, it's not hard to read in terms of it's very engaging and, and funny so that keeps you going but it's definitely quite dense in terms of the words used and it has a lot of slang I remember um, my friend Joseph Green <laughs> yeah. um, recommending this book and a few other books by this, hella, by this author to him and um, him kind of just reading it quite slowly not only because he's maybe a slower reader than I, but um, also because... Sounding uh, so judgmental. <laughs> also because of the, the, like, a lot of slang being used that you may not know. Um, so if, you know, the sellout, Paul Betty, I would recommend that. And I will recommend one other book because I think two is, is probably okay. I think that's okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's called Wow, No Thank You by Samantha Irby, also a... Um, black writer and it's very funny and very easy to read it's more um essays that are very zeitgeisty and very funny um oh, so it's a collection of essays yeah. from a, is mm -hmm. that a fairly recent it's it's recent and it's already a new york times bestseller wow no thank you by samantha irby highly recommend okay mm. that's a very modern things to like read okay i like that yeah okay. yeah. Right, yeah yeah well i do like because like I mean, obviously, you're a comedian, so you like funny stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I guess, like, that's why, obviously, your focus is actually more on those kind of works rather than maybe some deeper, dark, darker philosophy and stuff like that. Mm. So, go on to the comedy element for a second. Uh, do you feel like you appreciate it on that level? Like, is it vibing with you for that style of comedy? Do you like that style of comedy? I love this style of comedy, and I wish I could write more like it. Um, the protagonist in the book actually does stand up as well oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but not not like like you or i like you know out there gigging all the time because he has a farm after all but more so um because his girlfriend uh tells him that she would not date someone who's not funny yeah so he decides to go and practice so they go to a comedy night and he he 
does jokes and he makes her laugh. So, okay, I thought you were about to say it's going to be a real cringe sort of experience, <laughs> but no, he does well. Yeah, yeah. So, in between, re- in between reinstituting segregation <laughs> and working on his farm, he has time to do stand-up comedy. Yeah, well, kind of. <laughs> he's putting me to shame, I've got to be honest. And, and he's a surfer too. Ah, oh, great. Yeah, wow. Fuck. I hate surfers because mm. I really should know how to surf being an Australian, but uh, no, you, you, you know. Melbourne. Melbourne. There's yeah. there's no surf here. No, there's nothing. <laughs> Unless it's freezing cold. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's because uh, it, it like I did a quick scan of it before uh, when you told me this book. So it does sound like it does fall into that satire sort of section. The characters are larger than life sort of thing. Um, a few of them definitely. Um, a few of the characters are sort of. Hmm, they have sort of every stereotype you can think of, and that's the point. Of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. To play into that stuff. Mm. Okay, right. And then, yeah, obviously it's got some sort of point in it. But it does it does sound a bit all over the – like not all over the place, like in a bad way. Like it just – it sounds like it's covering a lot of different things. Mm. It takes the piss in a lot of different ways. I'll put it, it that way. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. even the, the notion of going to like the schooling side of things and not in terms of directed but rather than the incentive can be enough to switch how people act. That's yeah. a – it's a nuanced take. That's yeah. Yeah, that's, that's legit. <laughs> Powerful <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's like he knows what he's doing. You know? <laughs> I know that's cool. Like I didn't know. I I wasn't going to say you had to pick a book like this. that's more relevant. But it's funny how those. It's again. It's funny seeing the books that different people feel and relate to. It sounds like it's also <laughs> based on what you just said about Joe. Uh, <laughs> you like the fact that it's actually a bit harder to read. Not harder as in like it's difficult, but like. It's a smart. It's a very smart book for sure. Um, the the other thing as well is uh, it, at the back on the back of the book. Um, born in the agrarian ghetto of Dickens on the outskirts of LA, the narrator of the sellout is brought up to believe in his father's racially charged physiolog- physiological studies will lead to a memoir that will solve their financial wo- wo- woes. Sorry, English is still my second language. But when his father is killed in a police shootout, all that's left is the bill for, the bill for a drive-through funeral. Fueled by this deceit, the narrator sets out to right another wrong. Dickens has literally been wiped off the map to save Ally from embarrassment, so he initiates the most outra- outrageous action conceivable: reinstating slavery and segregation, which lands him in the Supreme Court. So yeah, <laughs> so much going on. <laughs> that is like the most intense sentence, like string of sentences you could have on the back of a book it, in it, 2020. Exactly, it takes exactly. <laughs> it's so relevant to right now. It's hilarious. Um, but like, okay, so yeah, no, so it comes a lot of things. But what I want to ask about that is, uh, so you read growing up exclusively. Mm-hmm. You can speed read, uh, and it sounds like your mum instituted in you a respect for that. Yeah. So, and it's funny because you mentioned how like you feel the background of yourself reflected in certain things you do, um, and obviously being well read is probably an element that you would consider of yourself. Um, definitely. Like, there's probably things people consider essential that I haven't read. Um, I mean, I haven't read all of Shakespeare, but I don't think I need to. I don't think you do. Either. You know, no, no. Um, you like touch on some of the classics, and then you're like, "Cool, I got that one down," and then. You can expand from there. Mm. Yeah, because you've got a lot. <laughs> three or four or five a week, whatever it was. That's insane, yeah. right? That's crazy. So, do you like try to challenge yourself with what you're reading? Um, or do you just kind of whatever? Um, I do and I don't. <laughs> I definitely have a few books um, that I still need to read. Where sometimes it's just like, oh, I could read a book or I could just watch Netflix. And it's it's sometimes hard to make that, you know, Totally fair enough. Yeah. Times are crazy. And you've got to make up for lost time. You didn't do it. It <laughs> exactly. sounds like you're well ahead of most people in terms of what they read. Yeah. I think in terms of reading, yes. In terms of like movies, a lot of movies I haven't seen. Um, oh, yeah. Because yeah. you missed that whole thing. I missed that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Like how old were you? When, did, you did you ever get a TV? No, never. Oh, wow. Never. Um, I guess I watch whatever's on Netflix, but I have no... Uh, I don't know. Like, I haven't watched Harry Potter. I haven't watched um, uh, what was like something essential. I like a lot of like 
early 2000s funny movies that everyone has seen I haven't seen. You've seen The Matrix? I've seen The Matrix. Yeah, I have seen The Matrix. Thank God. I don't know why I picked that movie. But well, I think The Matrix is re- really good. Very relevant now too. Yes, that's true actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you'd be missing a lot of like the cultural commenting that other people mm. would be making and stuff. Yeah. So it's funny. You're, on one side, you did the reading which made you connect in that sense. But then on the other side, you had that other mm. gap there. Or like just TV shows. Like people would be watching, I don't know, a German version of um, – it's called Deutschland sucht ein Superstar which is like, what's a singing show? The Voice? The what? Voice, American Idol. American Idol, like American Idol, but German. People would watch that um, and they'd talk about the contestants and I, I'd have no clue. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys read uh, Shakespeare? <laughs> talk about this, is much more relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I'm going to have to ask a little bit more about the mom Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just because, like, obviously, she's if she was who raised you would have mm-hmm. had a huge impact on you as a person. So, firstly, uh, she was a big reader as well. She loved to read. Yeah, yeah, and she thought it was really important to appreciate that stuff. I guess absolutely. Yeah, right. And uh, so you took that from her. How about the Jehovah's <laughs> Witness side of things? Did you? Uh well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Short answer. Nice. Moving <laughs> <No>. on. <laughs> um, my mum passed away when I was 15. And um, then I was like, fuck, I don't have to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore. And then I stopped. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's the one thing that was there. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so- I guess like some values probably stuck with me. Like I'm generally a friendly, respectful person on the surface but (laughs) you know i can be i can be very polite um because you have to be very polite if you're knocking on people's doors trying to get them to learn about jesus yeah yeah yeah. i thought thought you're gonna say because you're also german as well which uh germans which can be uh pretty polite i think Mm, yeah Yeah. so did you actually do the door knocking i did the door knocking yeah wow i mean good practice for flyering for comedy shows stand-up comedy yeah, yeah, all goes yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and so, I guess what I find interesting about that is because when I don't have an experience of someone who reads, and this is going to sound like I'm being really insulting to a whole section of society, but basically, <laughs> people who read a lot then have that level of faith in obviously teachings. It always interests me because there's obviously, in some ways, you'd feel like almost a disconnect between this is the word here, but also I know that there's a million stories out there and I understand history and understand where things come from. So I always find that interesting when like that, that kind when, of di- like well-read people are really religious and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm. which sounds, I know what you mean. I mean, I definitely uh, agree. It's but the more, you know, about everything, like how can you believe in, God punishing people, for example, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, as in for specific things, let's yeah. say for homosexuality or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. And um, I guess I'm still a kind of a spiritual person, but I do so many things that um, my mum would like not approve of. <laughs> like, um, I'm dating a girl. <laughs> like, she would be so mad. <laughs> she would not approve at all. Yeah, she'd be real mad. <laughs> she'd be real mad. Furious, okay. And I know that people, when, especially when one of, you know, your parents, anyone bas- passes away, like, they would be so proud of you. They're just looking down at you, smiling. But I know that, like, my mom as a person, like, the stuff I do, she would not be smiling. <laughs> and like if she's in fact looking down, she is shaking her head. But that's fine. I don't think she, um, you know, I don't think she knows. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> we c- <sighs> All right. Okay. All right. So firstly, I would say uh, parents always shake their heads. There's so much shit that everyone does. Yeah. I would say that. A million percent. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're disappointed let's say so when you say that you're talking about a specific thing that goes against the value system that she was brought up whatever Mm -hmm. like a rule breaker Mm -hmm. but do you think outside of that she'd be thinking that um probably also (laughs) 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 um and no like outside of that she'd probably be proud of quite a few things that i've done yeah she'd be proud yeah like a few of them but then 
a lot of it she'd be like what were you thinking okay so she'd be yeah obviously. but okay. but like also like, no parents gonna be proud no of no but like <laughs> things that go very fundamentally against everything that i was brought up with um look yeah. no parent is happy when their kids having big nights but i feel no, like that's no <laughs> no i know what you mean yeah yeah no but um, i mean you still seem to be you know you're active you're political is she mm-hmm. kind of in that realm as well or more um, just focused on her own? Not very political, to be honest, because uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are not supposed to be political. Um, really? Yeah. It's actually, they're like, they don't vote. Okay. Or, yeah, at least they were like, um, so it's a very much a separation between their world and the world, mm. right? So um, it's one of those religions where, let's say, if um, my mom was still alive and she was still a Jehovah's Witness and I decided not to be, she would actually not be able to talk to me. So they... It's because that hard. It's that hard. Mm. So there'd be families where the whole family would be Jehovah's Witnesses and then the kids turn 18 and they like move out and then they're like, this is not for me. And then they literally don't talk to them. They completely cut them off. It's very much a um, almost like a sect in that way. Like you can't stand, you can't not be a part of it, and you lose your family. Like that's wild. Yeah. Like that's fucking like. So, what you're telling me right now, and this is like, so after your mum died, obviously that was your main connection point. But surely you had other people who now you probably don't talk to. Yeah, I mean they message me every now and then. They're like. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses don't have holidays like Christmas and stuff. They have one holiday a year, which is um, sort of like Passover. It's around the same time um, because they're calculated. So it's not East Easter, um, but it's a similar thing of like when Jesus was resurrected. And it's generally the same time as when um, Jewish people would celebrate Passover. And they'd message me around that time of the year saying, hey, um, it's coming up. Um, here's a site where you can find local Jehovah's Witness communities in your area, um, why don't you go? Because they – and that's the kind of thing where if someone's son or daughter had left, they would maybe come for that one event. Right. So there would almost be a connection point where you could say hi, hi. and see how things yeah. are going. Yeah. Even though the rest of the time you're not talking to each other. Exactly. Okay. So there is – and there there is humanity in here. There is humanity yeah. because then, you know, you'd meet with uh, like the elders of the community and like make a plan on how to get your child back onto the right side of the path. I mean, that makes it – it's still terrible, obviously. Yeah. But the fact at least it acknowledges <laughs> that these are human beings who love their children and vice versa or whatever yeah. and gives them the chance to see each other. but. It's still wild to me. That's crazy. Like, that's talk about segregation. Oh, that is the real <laughs> segregation. Or, like, you, you're not supposed to like be with someone outside of that community mm. either. Like, you're not supposed to date outside of your religion type of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah they go to that extreme with it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. So that's, yeah, it's just <laughs> sounds a little like a little town called Dickens, if you ask me. <laughs> Do you really want to uh, go oh, into it? Yep. Definitely. When you talk about isolation and stuff like that, it's uh, and it's very different, obviously, to the race thing. But it's mm. well, they're choosing to be isolated in that instance. Yeah, I mean, even going into isolation for coronavirus at some point was not that foreign to me because growing up, I didn't have a TV. I grew up in a small town with twelve hundred people, and a lot of the time I would be alone reading books at home with a cup of tea when I was like 12 years old and then it'd be school holidays. So for two weeks, I literally had nowhere to go. So I'm not that different from like isolation. Oh, so you'd be proper isolated yeah. like on your own. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're prime. So yeah. So you were used to the isolation stuff already. Mm. Uh, man, you've got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's really hard. It'd be like one strange thing, thing about me and then like 20 others come out through the back door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, you don't have to go into too much if you don't want to, but with your mom's passing, I guess. Yeah. With your mom's passing, like first, I guess, was that sudden or was it? Yeah, it was sudden. Um, she had a, um, what's it called? Aneurysm. Okay, right. I oh, said so proper sudden. Yeah. Okay, right, right, right. So that was just because I can't even 
begin to imagine. Like I'm sure people say this to you, I'm sure, all the time. But like you're 15, and just like that, the one person who, and then you were like, "I'm, I'm out." Yeah, I'm leaving. Um, yeah, it was, I don't know, kind of liberating. It's strange, you know, talking about it to, um, to people who've also lost their parents because they can relate more, um, to that aspect of. There were just a lot of expectations on me from her in regards to religion or um, the path that she wanted for me. And I guess religion also gives strict parents a framework to enforce that because it's not only what I want, this is what God wants. That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a... Gives an excuse to be <laughs> <laughs> like, to be a prick. Yeah, absolutely. Like the easiest way to be an asshole. This is what God wants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so you were chafing at that before she, before she passed. You oh, were absolutely. It. I mean, I'd be sitting there and they'd talk about faith and really believing in God, and I, I just wonder, do I really believe in God? And I just wasn't sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. And like, because I'm guessing you go to school. The community wasn't all Jehovah's Witnesses, so you got to see... Oh, yeah. I was also the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> um, what do you mean? There was, like, in my primary school, there was no other Jehovah's Witnesses and no other black kids. And, like, actually in my last year, there was maybe one. Um, and then in my high school, there were two Jehovah's Witnesses, but we're not friends, even though... They were just, like didn't get along you know we're different ages and different backgrounds yeah, yeah, yeah um but like in my year level i was the only one so yeah that's amazing because <laughs> like in a small community like that so it was just you were a small community within a yeah <sighs> segregated within within segregate within a segregated community yeah yeah, yeah yeah so like i guess so you uh, was your mama immigrant to germany um, so my mum was from Cameroon and my dad was Germ is German and they met when he was working in Africa and then they got married there and then she came home with him. All right. Yeah. And then your dad ended up being And then they were like, Oh, this is like not really a good relationship as it often does and then it ended. Yeah. As it often does? Yeah. <laughs> I mean like fifty percent of marriages result in divorce, right? So <laughs> Yeah. They had a 50-50 chance. They took it. <laughs> That's pretty good. It. It's worth yeah, it, you know. It's worth if it. the other 50% is happy marriage. <laughs> it's a funny way to think of it, isn't it? Yeah, think mm. positive. That's what I say. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, no, it's just it's it's weird because like obviously I love hearing these kind of experiences because it's so different to my whole upbringing. Mm. Um so it just fascinates me in that sense. And I guess you but you probably get sick of like do people like treat that different or there was just like the fun story or Mm, I guess it's a story that uh, not everyone knows either. Like I could be friends with people for five or six years and then they find out that I was Jehovah's Witness <laughs> because our friendship just never goes beyond brunch and getting getting drunk and going away together and like talking about current stuff. I mean, like how often do you bring up your childhood, especially if it was crazy? Um, <laughs> I don't know. To be uh, I don't know. I like. I probably have talked more about my past and podcasts than I have to some people I consider close friends. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, it makes sense, really. Like, as in, yeah. yeah. Who talks about? Yeah, because you got. Yeah. It's almost a boring. Like, as in, you got. You're talking about the stuff right now. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Let's go eat. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening. How good is the smashed avo toast? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love that we're sitting in Fitzroy in your share house <laughs> as you're saying this. They're really like, the entire attitude which makes sense. Yeah. Everyone's listening like, oh, this <laughs> youth today, of course. God. Um, the isolation element, which is in the book, is very much reflected in your own upbringing mm. uh, alongside of the more fancy language. Not fancy language, but it's it's very smart. It's got a smart sort of vibe to it as well. Yeah. Like It's just funny trying to see those connections between what you're reading and like and like your attitude towards mm. stuff. I mean, the here's a random question actually. Mm -hmm. um, so do you rate intelligence in people? Like actually firstly, do you rate book smarts in people? Yes. Yes? Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I love when no, you like, make <laughs> in intelligence is very important to me. I mean being book smart, being street smart, they're different things, but they they do 
kind of go together. I, I think it, to a degree. Yeah. Um, because like I know I grew up with a lot of people who don't really read much, mm. who still have you know great outlook and some wise things to say on things. Yeah. <laughs> like, as in, yeah. I'm definitely not going to limit it to being to have read. I guess one. Like, so, so, would you ever date anyone who doesn't read? No, no way. Perfect. I love yeah. how like definitive. <laughs> that's, that's a, that does help though. It really would narrow down. It it really does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like especially from like I feel like guys don't read as much as girls. I agree. Yeah. 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 And then the guys who do read can be real dicks about reading. They're like, I read. How about you? And I'm like, bitch, I read too. <laughs> well, it kind of sounds like you're doing that, just not in that tone of voice. Mm, yeah, but I'm cute. <laughs> <laughs> and super confident too I like that All right. <laughs> and also funny enough now you're dating women so you've solved that problem uh, yeah absolutely no problem solved yeah yeah don't, no, they read so it's like <laughs> just, you just ran out of dudes <laughs> your criteria um, cool one more thing actually mm-hmm. before we close off so you English is your second language yeah so everything you were reading growing up was all German all German all German right so does that mean there's a lot of stuff like you know because obviously not everything gets translated. Mm-hmm. Like everything English gets translated probably that way, but yeah. in terms of German that way, nowhere near as much. Yeah, that's right. So um, do you ever find those works which are like... I mean, no. <laughs> um, I think uh, one of the books that influenced me most growing up was The Golden Notebook by Doris Lessing, um, which was originally written in English, but I read it in German first. It was one of my mum's books. And it was the first, like, adult, like, large book that I read. It's, it's quite thick. And when I think back of reading that book, when I first read it in German, I'd love to have the German edition just, just to re- revisit that. I have the English version now. But I don't think there's a lot of German books that haven't been translated to English that I would say are essential. Yeah. Yeah. But what about, like, I guess, I'm trying to think of a German book that's been translated that's really famous. I mean, there's probably some philosophy stuff. Yeah, I mean, you'd have like um, Hermann Hesse and like Carl Jung. Is Hermann Hesse, of course, the name is very German. <laughs> yeah. But that's he's Steppenwolf, right? Is that Hermann mm-hmm. Hesse? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really like that book a lot. Because mm. that was, that was written in German and then… Yeah, so I guess, yeah, when it goes to the, those kinds of uh, Freud or… I think even Kafka wrote in… I'm not sure. I think he wrote in German. It, it, I, I think so. I think yeah. it makes sense. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Those books I've read in, in German when I was younger. But they're they're mainstream anyways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just could wonder about like if there's a translation thing you notice in the a difference between the languages in that sense. Mm, I think my German is getting worse every year and my English is getting better. <laughs> um, so that's a problem. But uh, the biggest thing for me was movies when I watched movies, which was rarely because I didn't have a TV. But then watching English movies without the dubbing. Mm. And then when I now watch something in German that was originally in English, the dubbing is so obvious. <laughs> and it's so horrible. Oh, right. Before you were like, this is... I'm like, oh, cool. Brad Pitt speaks German. <laughs> of all the people, he's famous for one journal. <laughs> <Buongiorno. laughs> <laughs> right, I've always been big on the subtitles. Uh, you know, even when I can dub it to English, I'm like, nah, I'll always... So, I love I'll, subtitles. Yeah, because yeah. like you want the official thing, and you know, yeah, I can read. I like reading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, it's funny because like I, if there's one obscure, he's Austrian but a German writer um, that I love is Stefan Zweig. Yeah, I know that name. Well, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm just guessing. Stefan Zweig. That's, yeah. Okay, it turns out I, I was pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, but him. that's fine. He's so good. I love him as an author, but yeah. it's random. He wrote a book called The World of Yesterday about the time between uh, the lead up to World War One and World War Two, like mm-hmm. that kind of period. It's it's weird when you read stuff and you're like, this sounds exactly like so much of the stuff today, but 100 years ago about yeah. their youth being like, oh, the old people are so old-fashioned and stuck <laughs> in their ways. They don't get that now things are changing all the time. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting. Oh, check it out. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Um, cool. Well, I guess uh, we've kind of covered a few things there. I always ask the same question at the end of all these things. Do you feel like you've got any new appreciation for your book there? Uh, definitely. I'm going to read it again now. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about reading it again just due to the current climate, but I think I really will now. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I, I, I'm actually 
want to try it out as well, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Mm. Especially saying I could be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm woke. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I read the sellout, okay? And this poor Biddy won the Booker Prize, all right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. All right. Uh, thanks a lot for that, Aurelia. You've been really awesome. No worries. Thanks for having me. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com. For as little as $5 a month, you can have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.